Hey, good morning, Victory. How you doing? Good morning. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And if you are visiting with us, as Brian said, welcome. So glad that you're here. Uh, we do want to connect with you, whatever that might look like. We just do our best to kind of move you in your next steps to connection in the community. I do want to give a couple announcements before we get. First of all, in this series, we've been kind of focusing on a different outreach partner. And I'll have somebody here that we'll pray for. I don't have anybody physically here this morning, but I wanted to share some information in a meeting that I was a part of this week. Uh, all throughout the week, just so you know, as our church, we're constantly connecting with community partners. And so I was excited this week. I was on the phone with the lady who is over the Tinger outlets that's opening across the interstate from us, just reaching out, making connection, encouraging them to come use our building and just to be able to make that connection in different ways. But one of the meetings I was in was with the YMCA. As you may know, I'm the chair board of the YMCA on North Rutherford. And we were talking about different things. But one of the things they said that I thought was very encouraging for us as a church is what the YMCA does in the school systems in regards to food insecurities. So just so you know, statistically, one out of every eight students in school, think about that. So all of the students that are in school, one out of every eight have food insecurities, which means they don't have the proper food that they need uh, in regards to the daily meals and the snacks. And so the YMCA partners and comes in with the schools, and I want you to see this, we are in 19 schools in just Rutherford County. That's amazing. 19 schools. We're in five schools in just the Antioch area. So I was, I was trying to name some of them off. Cane Ridge is one of the ones here in Antioch. Rock Springs, the school we used to set up in, in Smyrna is one of the schools in Rutherford County. So 24 schools in just, we have some in Nashville and different ways like that, but 24 schools in just Rutherford County and the direct Antioch area of our church. And that's amazing. And look at this. It's over 230 thousand dollars going towards lunches and snacks. And so I just want you to know that as you give your finances, as you tithe here to Victory, we always try to tell you this, that um, we're doing so much more, not just in the church, but outside of the church. And you may not be available to physically be in one of these schools and provide a snack or provide lunches for these kids, but your finances are going and doing it. There are organizations that are physically there doing it, but they wouldn't be able to do it without your finances. And so I just want to say thank you to every person. Not only do we allow the, not only are we able to let the ministries happen weekly here, but all of the impact outside of the four walls. Two more quick announcements. There's a QR code in front of you, the chair in front of you. That's for you as you get ready to take your next step. So if at any point today you want to take a next step, you want to choose to follow Jesus, sign up to be baptized in water, which is happening September 10th. If you want to join a small group, whatever it might be, you can scan that QR code. It'll send you kind of a form that you can fill out. It lets us know. We can contact you and reach out. And it's just a great way to kind of help you move forward. Last but not least, small group signups happens today. You excited? Come on. And so in case you're new to our church and what we do, so we have a spring and a fall semester. During the summer, we take a break. And Darla and I, or this year, Brian and I, will teach kind of a midweek class and, and go through different things. But we're launching back up. I believe it's the first week in September. So this Sunday and next Sunday are opportunities for you to sign up. So when you came in, you should have been given one of these cards. You can just register by scanning the QR code here, or you can meet with Emily in the lobby after service, and she can answer any of your questions. But on the other side of the card, you're going to see our groups. And it was so exciting. I was looking at it. We got a group all the way in Clarksville. Come on, right? You excited about that? That's amazing. We got multiple people who meet in Clarksville. We have multiple small groups that are kid-friendly. So if you're a parent that has kids, but you really want that community, we have a woman's group 
and a men's group specifically. That's amazing. I love that the men's group is available via Zoom. So for all you men that claim to be too busy to gather and have small groups, you don't have an excuse. You can do that through Zoom. Uh, we have a couple groups that meet here on at our church on this campus. We have multiple groups all throughout uh, the, the area. And we have our very first, watch this, Spanish-speaking friendly small group. Come on, man. It's so awesome to be able to see our youth small group, so many groups here that are happening. And so I want to encourage you, uh, if you get this, go ahead and look at it and then do your best in signing up and registering today or next Sunday. Uh, I believe it's one of the best things we can offer you is community. You'll hear me talk about it a little bit today, but I just want to encourage you to do that. Amen. Amen. We are in a series called Pray First. The, the subtitle of this series is Worry About Nothing, Pray About Everything. And we've just been talking about amongst ourselves that in our culture today, worry and anxiety is, is at an all-time high, and a lot of it's because we've moved away from just daily prayer. And when we move away from being with the Lord and spending time with the Lord, it makes sense that anxiety and worry will begin to rise. We built this series off of Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, one of my favorite Bible verses that says, do not be anxious about anything. You could also say worry, do not worry about anything, but in every situation, say every, in every situation, big, small, by prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, present that request, whatever it is, to God, and then God is going to give you supernatural peace that transcends all understanding and guards your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I love letting you see it as a as an interaction with God, as an exchange with God, where you give him your prayer and he gives you his peace. He, he may not answer that prayer. He may not do exactly what you're asking, but what he guarantees you is peace. Peace that says, even though it wasn't necessarily what I was asking for, I know God's in control and I know that his ways are greater. And so in the first week, we talked about praying first when stuff happens and just that whole idea of life and boom, we're punched in the face with something that happens that we weren't ready for. And Instead of kind of falling into a worry custom, going into a prayer custom. Last week, we talked about praying first when culture changes. And we talked through some of the things that's happening in our culture and our society today. And how the importance is instead of posting, pray, right? Pray for these things instead of posting. Uh, next week, we'll, we'll bring it to a close talking about the, the hard prayers, the unanswered prayers and things like that. But this week, I want to talk to you from this idea. Pray first when I have a need. When I have a need. The idea of need can be, can be very wide. It can be a need as far as physical healing. It can be a need financially, but it can also be a need that's a little deeper. It can be a need that might be, God, I need direction. God, I need an answer. God, I have this dream in my heart, and I need to know what you're wanting to do. So it's kind of a wide variety of need, but regardless of the need, you and I want to live a life where we're accustomed to pray first every time a need comes. When I first started writing this particular sermon, what really sparked it was I started thinking about how our current culture today, we are more common to say we're going to pray about something than to actually pray about it. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just kind of become normal in our culture to, to say it, but to not actually stop and pray for it. I think it's so interesting if you go on Facebook today and if somebody puts a, a, a prayer need or something on there, you'll start to see all of their Facebook friends, hundreds of them, praying, praying, praying. I'm praying for you, praying, praying, sister, praying, brother, praying, praying, praying. They all got the little prayer emoji beside it, you know what I mean? That we're, we're still not certain this is prayer. It could be a high five. We're not really sure what it is, but, but we post it beside it because we're people of faith. And, and so it's all of these different prayers. And I'm like, man, if all of these people were actually praying, 
I feel like things would be changing a little bit more, right? And so I, I think that it's, if we're not careful, we, we find ourselves in this culture and in this, this common theme of society that we are quick to say we'll pray about it, but not so much to actually pray about it. And I think part of that is because it's easier for us to say we'll pray about something than it is for us to actually put the effort into praying, right? I think there's a lot of reasons for this, but it's easier for us to just hear something and go, hey, I'll pray about that, than it is for us to actually stop what we're doing and either risk embarrassment as we stop and pray for somebody right there or to go home and add somebody to a prayer list and get down on our knees and actually pray for them. I think prayer should empower our efforts instead of excusing our laziness. It should actually move us into action. It should accompany our action and not replace it. I want to talk about how prayer shouldn't replace our action, but it should walk alongside of it and it should empower it. In the psychology world, Dr. Philip Clark, he actually labeled or or came up with a name for this idea of us taking prayer or any spiritual exercise and using it to kind of bypass or to go around the actual work that might need to be done. And so he labeled it, he called it spiritual bypassing. Isn't that crazy? Spiritual bypassing. His, his saying was, anytime we use prayer or any spiritual exercise, so anytime that, that we, we take the concept of prayer or the idea of prayer and we use it to kind of bypass or to go around our situation, instead of addressing our situation, we kind of dance around it with this idea of, I'll pray about it. Hey, man, I got something going on. I'll pray for you. You know, hey, this, this is happening. What are we going to do? Let's pray about it. And we just use it as a spiritual bypassing. My prayer for you and my prayer for me today is that we wouldn't get caught up in a situation where prayer is just this thing we say to avoid difficulty. It's a thing we say to avoid interaction or to justify ongoing bad behavior or to just put a period on a conversation and be able to move on. Instead, it's something we use that moves us toward God in relationship, something that actually helps us serve and empower and encourage other people. I don't want to be at a place where I just say it. I want to be at a place where I actually pray it. Amen, church? So I want to show you Daniel chapter 2 is where we are today in this series. We've been studying through the book of Daniel, and uh, there's something that happens that I want to give you context to, and I want you to see three things that Daniel does in chapter 2 that I think is going to encourage you and I in our prayer life as we address or come up and face areas where we are in need. So in Daniel chapter 2, verse 1, if you follow along with me, you can do that in your Bibles. If you brought them, you can do it on the screen behind me, the app, or even just your phone if you're on Bible Gateway. It says, in the second year of his reign, King Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. Now, it was very common in that day and age for people to have dreams and for God to speak to people through dreams. God still does this today. It's not as common, but back in that day, it was very normal for God to communicate to people through dreams. So King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and he believes, even though at this moment he's not necessarily a follower of God, in in this moment he still believes it's God talking to him. So he has this dream. Watch this. It says, and in his mind, he was troubled, which means this wasn't a good dream. This was, this was a bad dream. This was a dream that worried him. And watch this. And he could not sleep. He woke up in a cold sweat because of this dream and he couldn't go back to bed because it worried him so much. So the king summoned 
All of the magicians, all of the enchanters, all the sorcerers, all the astrologers. He got Chris Angel and David Copperfield and brought them all into the room and gathered them up. And he said, tell me what I have dreamed. He gathered all the weird folks, which in in this day they were considered the wise men. And he gathered them all in the room and said, hey, I need you to tell me what this dream means. Now, there's a unique situation here. King Nebuchadnezzar was very concerned that it was a chance that these, one of these men would lie to him in an attempt to get favor from him because that may bring elevation, uh, could bring you know, more, more notoriety. So the fear was that they might actually lie to him about what the dream is. So here's what King Nebuchadnezzar said to them. He said, I'm not even going to tell you what the dream I had was. What I want you to do, if you're really wise and you're really working with the fine arts, if you're really born with the lightning bolt on your forehead and you got the Harry Potter blood in you, you know what I mean? If you're really magical, then what you'll do, sorry, just extra points for the wife. Uh, if, if you're really magical, then you will tell me my dream. Then you will interpret it. So I'm not going to tell you the dream and you interpret it. You tell me the dream I had and then you interpret it. And the wise men say, King Nebuchadnezzar, that can't be done. Like that's, that's not humanly possible. None of us can do this. One of them goes on to say, the only people that can do that is the gods and the gods don't walk on earth with us. Here's what he's saying. It cannot be done on earth. It's not humanly possible. King Nebuchadnezzar gets mad. This is where we're going to pick up in verse 12. So that's what happened in those 10 verses. Just kind of summarized it for you. It says, this made the king so angry. He was so furious. He was fast and furious that he ordered the little joke. No, okay. They ordered the execution. Y'all are bad on jokes today. It's going to be a tough day. Um, That he ordered the execution of all of the wise men of Babylon. So he said, I want you to kill them all, cut all their heads off, all the magicians, all the astrologers, kill them all. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death. Watch this. And the man who was going to do it was sent to look for Daniel and his friends to also put them to death. That stinks, right? They're not even involved. They weren't even there. But because they were a part of the wise men, King Nebuchadnezzar says, just kill them all. So now the path is coming down or the message is coming down to Daniel that him and his buddies are about to be killed for something they're not even involved in. And I think we can all agree that Daniel is in need. It's a tough place to be in. He has a need and he needs God to help him with his need. And as is his custom that we learned in week one, Daniel prays. So there's three things that we see Daniel do in here that I think are encouraging for you and I when we find ourselves in a place where there is a need and the idea of praying first. Number one, we see Daniel doesn't just say it, Daniel prays it. He doesn't just say it. He doesn't just say, uh, I'll pray about it. Daniel actually praise about it. Watch this. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 2. I want you to see this and where it is in the scripture. Verse 16, at this, at the, the revelation or the information of this decree, Daniel went into the king and he asked for what? Time. He said, king, he walked in risking his own head being cut off just by asking this question. And he says, king, can I have more time? Time for what? Time to pray. I need to go be with God. Because what you're asking me to do, only God can do. So I need to go pray and seek the face of God. God will tell me the dream you had. He'll give me the interpretation of the dream. And all glory be to God. I need time to pray. Daniel didn't just say, I'll pray about it. 
Daniel said, King, I need time to pray. You and I need to be able to arrive at a place where we have time to pray. If we're too busy, if there's no margin in our room, if we don't see a margin in our life, if we don't see value in it, you and I, we need a time where we can actually be praying, not just saying we're praying. I think religious bypassing is something that you and I will actually do kind of without even realizing it. It's just something that's just kind of a reaction that we do. It's not because we have bad hearts. Like when we say to somebody, I'll pray for you, and then you don't pray for them, like you forgot or whatever. It's not because like you were saying to them, I'll pray for you. Meanwhile, no one like, I ain't praying for you. You know what I mean? Like that's, that wasn't the situation. There was just this subconsciousness in you that maybe you wouldn't even realize that wanted to bypass, watch this, the effort and the difficult work that was going to uh, uh, follow the fact that you would have to pray. So when you said it, you said it, but you didn't actually do it. You didn't mean harm, but it was just more subconsciously. I'll give you some examples. Somebody says to you, you know, man, I, I really think you need to go sit down with that person and have a real honest conversation and mend y'all's relationship. And you go, I'll pray about that. <laughs> right? Nothing to pray about. That's just, you don't want to do it. And, and so we just, we say, I'll pray about that. You know, I, I think you really need to, I think you need to call them up and you need to ask them to forgive you. Great. Pray about that. Here's one, you ready? You need to serve in V-Kids. I'll pray about that. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like subconsciously, we just know. Man, I want God to be able to bless my finances. Well, you need to set a budget. You need to trust God. You need to start tithing. I'll pray about that. It's just our ability is almost subconscious because we know that if we actually consider that, there's going to be effort and work that follow it. That, that if, I, if I pray for God to help me with my finances and I'm serious about it, I may actually have to sit down and realize that I can't go spend all that money willy-nilly. You know what I mean? So it's easier just to say, I'll pray about it, than it is to actually pray about it. And I told you, sometimes we don't even realize it. It's just the subconscious in us that's saying it so that we can kind of end this conversation and move on. But by saying it and not praying it, we might actually be trying to avoid, watch this, dealing with our own pain and trauma. When, when you and I say we'll pray about it, but we don't pray about it, it may be because we're trying to avoid coming to the realization that we're actually hurt by God in the concept of prayer. That the last time we prayed, we asked God to do something and God didn't do it. We asked God to heal them and the sickness got worse. We asked God to deliver us from the pain and the pain got worse. God asked us to heal. We asked God to heal the relationship and the relationship ended. We asked God to save them and they passed away. And if we're not careful, by praying for somebody else, it opens up the unforgiveness that we have towards God. And we realize there's still pain and trauma in the concept of just talking to God. And so it's easier for me to say, I'll pray about it, than it is for me to come face to face with God. And I mean, I have a hard time praying because of what I've prayed for before. Another reason that we might just say it is because we're trying to avoid feeling other people's pain, right? I don't know about you, I got enough to worry about. I'm trying to raise my own kids, and now I got to pray for you and your kids, you know what I mean? 
Like, how about you take my kids and then I'll just pray for you on all of them? Like, you know, and so, so sometimes it's hard to really move into that deal of praying because we're on overload. We know everything that's happened in California, everything that's happening in Hawaii, and we're on overload of disaster mode. And we would rather just say, I'll pray about it and not think about it because we're so worried and overwhelmed with anxiety in our own life that the idea of praying for somebody else is too much. Another reason that we might say it is this. We may just not really believe that prayer works. I had moments in my life where somebody encouraged me to pray, and I prayed, and God didn't answer it. And so I'm starting to question if it even works. So I'll just say, I'll pray for it. But I'm not going to really pray for it. Because deep, deep down, I don't, I don't know that I even believe it. And so the devil, the devil ends up using this new concept where you and I can say, I'll pray for you. I'll pray about it. And the devil doesn't care if you say it. He cares if you pray it. It's like our culture where when you walk past somebody, you go, hey, how you doing? And you keep walking before they can answer. You know what I mean? Like they're like, I'm doing, uh, uh, mm. guess he doesn't care. And the way we tend to throw that around, if we're not careful, will be the way we throw around the concept of prayer. And the enemy loves that. He doesn't mind you saying you're going to pray. He doesn't mind you posting that you're going to pray. What he can't stand is if you get down on your knees and actually pray. He's scared to death of you calling out to speak the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Speak him over my family. Speak him over my kids. Look, he doesn't care if I think about praying for my kids. But if I pray for my kids, he gets worried. I never thought about it until right now. We transfer our worry to him. Come on, I'll preach a whole nother sermon on y'all. When we pray now, he's worried. I don't know if if y'all saw this, but last year during the NFL season, an NFL player by the name of DeMar Hamlin uh, actually went into cardiac arrest on the football field. He he died on the football field. It was the craziest thing that, that I had ever seen and most people had seen. I was watching the game. It happened for a while. Everybody's kind of trying to figure out what happened. We're not sure. You know, he didn't get touched, but he's injured. This is weird. And, and then the more it goes, you know, they eventually get to the point where they cancel the game, but they're trying to figure all that out and talk. So they keep going back to all these sports anchors to, to, to kind of cue them to, to take care of the dead airtime. And nobody knows what to say because what's, what's proper? You're on live television. You want to be honorable and respectful of this guy. At the same time, we have a job. We got, you know, got millions and millions of viewers watching. Like, what, what do you do? And so it was funny because I saw people kind of go to this comfortable statement we, we all have it. Like, I joked about this in second service. And, and people make fun of me here at the church all the time and, you know, whatever. But, but I'll come up and I'll say it's my absolute privilege to pastor this church, right? I say that. And people joke with me about it. But I need it because it, it kind of it hits those nerves for a second and then I'm ready to go. I just need that, like, opening statement. And for a lot of people, this idea of praying for you is just that kind of blanket statement that we say. So when they were going to all these sportscasters and they're trying to figure out how to fill in the dead air, people kept saying things like this. We're praying for him. We're praying for DeMar and his family. And I'm watching going, no, you're not. (laughs) I literally see you. You're not praying for him. Like we're just saying these things. And again, our hearts are right. we're, We're trying to like, we're trying to give well wishes, right? Here's well wishes. That's what we think it means. Well wishes to you. Well wishes to you. But that's not what prayer is. Prayer is powerful, life-changing, conversation with a holy God. And so people are saying, we're praying, we're praying, we're praying. And I'm like, are we? And then the next day, 
The conversation is still happening all over news and sports news because it's a really big deal. He's still in the hospital. They don't know if he's ever going to recover. And this gentleman by the name of Dan Orlovsky, he used to be a quarterback in the NFL. He starts talking about, he's a believer. He's been a he's confessed believer on the show. And he stands up and, he's, and he just starts to pray for him right there on live television. And like, I'm like, what's happening right now? You know what I mean? Like I was so blown away by it because of how rare it is. And I mean, he don't pray like a, you know, watch out stomach, here comes the food kind of prayer. Like he was praying down heaven. Like he was just, it was amazing. And he said, amen. And the whole, everybody in there, you had some people who were going like, wow, thank you for that. And you had some people who you could just tell they didn't know what to do. They were like, ah, that's awkward. Yeah. And yet there's another commentator, sports guy, who is a confessed atheist. He said multiple times on his show, I don't believe in God. He's, he's made jokes about God before. And he comes out with a comment because he watches Dan do this prayer. His wife is a believer and his co-host is a believer. And because of all that he sees them do and because of Dan's prayer, here's what he says. Watch. He said, it made me at that moment, at that moment, he said, I have to say, and, and even some since that moment, it made me a little, watch this, envious of that, at that moment, that I didn't have that foundation. He said, when I watched Dan pray that prayer, the God that I don't believe in, it made me, I still don't understand it, but it made me envious of the fact that he had somebody to go to when he was worried. Listen to me, saying we're going to pray does not make an unbeliever envious of not having a relationship with God. When we pray, it makes an unbeliever envious about the idea that they don't have a relationship with God. It's not what we say, it's what we pray. The world will never be changed by us posting, praying. But they will be changed when we call them up and say, Brother, I saw you needed prayer. Let's pray right now. Let's pray right now. Let's believe God is a healer. Let's believe God is a provider. Let's believe he's alive today. Let's pray right now. I don't want to say it. I want to pray it. Saying you're going to pray does not change lives. Actually, praying does. And I love that Daniel was modeling for us. Hey, King, King, real quick, King. I need to go pray. I need to actually pray. Daniel could have said, I'll pray about this. <laughs> and then he could have lost his head. But he actually prayed. Number two is this. First, he said, don't say it, pray it. Number two, don't pray alone. Watch what happens. After Daniel prays, he asks for time to pray. Daniel chapter 2 says, then he goes and finds his friends. In verse 17 and 18, it says, then Daniel returned to his house and he explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, also Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he said, he urged them to plead for mercy, for, or plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, this, this whole situation. Pray with us, pray with us, so that he and his friends might not, might be executed with the rest of the wise men from Babylon. Daniel didn't just sit by himself and prayed. Daniel set time for him to pray, and then he went, do, 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 do. I need you to pray. <laughs> like, hey, get out the bed, hold hands, let's get in a circle, let's pray together, because this is serious. If I believe it's serious enough, then I will take steps to gather myself with other believers and pray. 
Here's what I'm trying to say to you. We cannot live in a bubble and we should not be praying in a bubble. I don't think any of you disagree with me when I tell you that we cannot live in a bubble. You cannot be isolated on your own. You'll be miserable. 2020 proved it. Some of you are like, I loved it. I didn't want to be around nobody. Listen, you need Jesus, okay? Like, no, nobody likes it. You, you, it may be enjoyable for a season, but eventually it's terrible. We can't live in a bubble, and we must stop praying in a bubble. Have your quiet time. You need that personal time where God works with you. But you need to have friends and community in your life where you, they're praying for you and you're praying for them. We're in this together. So we should be praying for one another. This is my heart. Please listen to me. You should never, ever, ever walk into the doors of Victory Church with a need. Come in here and not receive prayer and then get up and leave. Never. It may be down here at the front, maybe out in the lobby, maybe in the growth track room, maybe in the parking lot. But if you're here today and there's a need, God has given us a family. We're not a Sam's Club. You don't have a membership so you can come in and get a bag of chips and some bread. This is a community, a family. We want to walk with you, talk with you, pray with you, help you. It's important, but you got to let us know. I walked out of first service, young man standing to my right just crying. And grabbed him, hugged him. He said, man, I just came out of the bathroom. And so we started laughing. It was a little funny moment. And finished all my hanging out with people. And Frederick came up to me with me and him. And this young man started talking about how he was struggling with some stuff. And he said, for some reason, I just isolated myself. And Frederick's like, don't do that. He's talking about something he's praying through. And Frederick said, I'm with you while you go through this. You want me to really blow your mind? The young man is a young white man. Frederick is my age, and he's a black man. Tell me what God won't do with community. You know what I mean? It's not about any of that. It's about the idea that God has put us in the same room to do life together. We were with some friends out on the lake Monday, and we were talking, and, and the husband was telling me about his, their season with their boys, and their boys are the same age as our girls, and we both went, we're living the same life. So let's talk together. Let's walk together. Let's pray together, right? We have to be together. God has gifted you with community. I was so blessed one time. We were in the dream. It was during our midweek class. And two of the ladies of the church spoke up. And they started talking about how they had never seen community and had community like they had at Victory. And I was almost to tears because when we planned the church, that's what we wanted. But it's hard to do that. But can I encourage you real quick, both ladies who said it are ladies who from the moment they came here, they jumped in head first. They lead small groups. They get out and do, they're not wallflowers sitting back like, where's somebody who talk to me? You know what I mean? Like, like they step into it. But if we're not careful, the enemy will teach us to walk into environments like this and we'll walk around hurting and in need. Meanwhile, walking around people who are here to pray and walk with us, but not say anything. You don't walk into a hospital and just kind of walk around going, I hope somebody asked me about my side. It hurts. <laughs> you walk in and you hit the front desk and go, I got pain. Call a doctor. <laughs> That's what has to happen. You can't walk in here going, I hope somebody talks to me. My side hurts. Walk in, hit the front desk, smack Dana in the face and go, I need somebody. <laughs> don't smack Dana in the face. That's how you get shot. It's funny. We, we meet with our directors, our leadership Every year and we do these, we do these end of the year parties and there's, there's dinner and gifts and, and we cast vision for the up year. We talk about all God did in the, in the past year. It's phenomenal. 
And we did one this year, but we had to do it in January because of our schedules. And um, towards the end, we had gone back to one of the couple's houses and did all the gift exchange and everything. And we, uh, we just started feeling the impression to pray for one another. And so we just, we, we were running late, childcare, like they were already asking us to come pick up our kids. It was crazy, but we said, we got to do this. And so we started going around the room and everybody sharing their prayer requests. And there were some heavy, heavy prayer requests. Because just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't experience the hardness of this world. That's why Jesus told you, I'm, uh, I, I, came, I overcame this world. You're still going to experience it, but I overcame it. And so we're talking through it. And so then we, we get through and we all get in a circle and we're praying. And man, the Spirit of God was so heavy in there. We get done. We say, amen. Everybody's wiping tears off. It was so great. And I sat back and I thought, you know what? We've had dinner together. We've laughed together. We've been sarcastic with one another because how we do here at Victory Church. And we've just had a great time. We've exchanged gifts. We've talked vision. We've, we've celebrated all that God's done. But it wasn't until we started praying that all of a sudden things got real. There's something about prayer. And Daniel's trying to show us that the purpose of this is when we have a need and when we're in this season of worry to move into the community God's given you. Small groups is an open door for you. The next couple of weeks, people will be meeting all throughout houses and in this church, and they'll be praying together. People will be walking in going, man, I had a tough day at work. Let's pray. Man, I'm struggling with the teenager. Let's pray. You know what I mean? Let me say it like this. Praying for one another removes our isolation. But here's the part I really want you to hear. Our prayer for one another may or may not change our situation, which means we could pray together and nothing change. But here's what it does. It changes the perception we have of feeling like we're alone in the situation. This is why it's so important for community. This is why it's so important for you to have people you can pray with. Not because God's necessarily, it's not one of those things like, oh, I, I brought in this friend. Now God's going to do it, right? Sometimes God does it. Sometimes he does it. What he wants you to see is you are not alone in it. That what, what's happening in other people's lives is happening to you. And God is faithful in their life and he's faithful in yours. And you have community to be around with you together. So Daniel's teaching us, number one, don't just say it. Pray it. Don't just walk around with this, I'll pray for it. But actually, set time and pray. Let me give you a little, little nugget here real quick. If, if you're one of those people that are going, man, I, I don't like to tell people I'll pray for them and then not pray for them. If you'll set up a daily quiet time, then what happens is when you talk to somebody and they go, we pray for this, you can go, yes, I can't pray for you right now, but I'm adding you. And in the morning, when I get up and pray, I'm going to pray for you. You see what I mean? It's, it's, it's being able to be in a mindset where it's like, I'm not going to just say it. I'm going to actually pray it. Number two, don't pray it alone. There's multiple groups. There's community. I, I, look, I told you, first service, I said, if you can't find a group, maybe I told y'all, I can't remember. Everything's running together. If you can't find a group that works for you, start one. Build community. If there's not one in your community, start one. If, you, if it's not one on the night of the week you need it, start one. Because everybody needs it. And there's nothing like being able to pray with community. All right, number three. I got to get to this one because this is my favorite one. Number three, don't just pray, do. Don't, don't just pray and God, I want you to do this. And okay, now here, you take it and we'll, we'll figure out what happens from there. Watch Let's go back to Daniel chapter 2. Watch this. Verse 24, it says, Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon. And he said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon, but instead, watch this, take me to the king. 
and I'll interpret his dream. Daniel said, I realize I'm going to go pray about this. Watch. But then I realize I'm going to have to do something about it. I'm going to pray about it, but my prayer is going to lead me to actions. When, when we pray and ask God to do stuff, we're not praying so that God can do it all on his own and then just let us know when you figure it out. God is saying, no, if you pray, then all of a sudden you're going to have to move. Let me say it like this. If we're going to have the audacity to ask God, the great God, holy God, for something in our life, we better be ready to act. If you're going to have the audacity to ask God to bless you with a job, build your resume. Right? If you're going to have the audacity to ask God heal your marriage, go to counseling. If you're going to have the audacity to ask God to help you with your finances, go to our financial class. Start, start a budget. Tithe. Like there's always going to be an opportunity for us to do that connects with our prayer. I felt this on my heart. I wanted to share this with you. Hey, God heard your prayer. God heard your prayer, but he wants to include you in the process. See, if we're not careful, we'll be tempted to think that we can just sit, pray it, and let it be done. And God says, no, 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 get up. I want, I want to use you in the process. Because audacious prayers have to be tethered to practical obedience. And can I tell you why? Everything that God does is about growing in his relationship with you. So when you pray a prayer about a need, everything he's doing with that prayer is to grow in his relationship with you. So he says, watch. You say, God, I need this. He says, I'll do it. But come with me. Come with me. Because once we do this together, our relationship's going to grow and your faith's going to grow. And listen, by the time I answer the prayer, it's not even going to be your concern. You're not going to be worried if I said yes or no because you're going to be so close to me that you start to realize that yes and no is not really the whole point of this. The point is to be close to you. So I got to share your story. So we, you know, 2021 comes and we're setting up, tearing down the church at a school. COVID's hit. It's, it's not our church and at, at best in half our dream team's half you know it's, it's, it's getting it's getting heavy you can just start to experience I'm still trying to recover from all 2020 was just frustrated and so I said I'm going to do a prayer and fast about a building and so for three days over the weekend I prayed and fasted that God would give us a building and I'm not lying to you the fast ended on Sunday and on Monday morning we had an email in our inbox and it was for this building Erica called me, said, have you seen this? I said, no, I haven't checked my mail. So she sent it, forwarded it to me. I, got, I left the gym, put it in my GPS, drove straight to this building, pulled up, parked, got up. The doors were locked. I was looking in the windows right here, looking at it. It was beautiful. It was, an, it was another church, a Hispanic church, and the pastor's wife had decorated it, and it was gorgeous. I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. So I got back in my car, and I called about, you know, called the landlord, tried to figure out how much it was going to cost to rent it. And they told me an amount. And the amount was absolutely ridiculous. Like, I, like I, we would never be able to afford this amount. And I understood that that was probably where the end of the story was. But I just, you know, why not? Let's just keep him on the hook, right? Let's just, I got nothing else to do. Let's just have fun with this. 
And so I told the guy, I said, oh, yeah, we're interested, we're interested. And so I ended up calling the guy that was over this area, the pastor that was overseeing it, and his name was Pastor Troy, which is really ironic. God's got humor. And, uh, you know, we end up, he lets me in, we sit right here on the stage and we pray. And It began this prayer process for this building, but if I'm honest with you, I wanted to tell you this. It was a really easy prayer to pray because it was kind of ridiculous. Like, like it was impossible. You know what I mean? Like, impossible. So it was one of those things where you ever been there, and maybe you are more spiritual than me, but you ever been praying for something, and the other half of you doesn't even expect it to happen? You know what I mean? So like, you're kind of all excited praying about it. Like, God, you know, you can, you can split I-24. You can split the Red Sea. You can do this, God. But in the back of your mind, you're like, you're not really doing this, you know? So you, got, like, you, you just kind of got a like, giddy in your stuff. Like, you're just, you're just excited about it and pray all willingly because there's no accountability for you, right? There's, there's no responsibility for you. It's like, God, whatever. If you want to do it, great. And then all of a sudden, stuff started happening. And the people cut what they wanted per month for it in half. And it met the goal that we had kind of privately set. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> Then our leadership team said, we need to do this. And I was like, uh-oh. Then I was reading my Bible that morning. I opened up and the subline said, Paul goes to Antioch. And I said, uh-oh. <laughs> and we headed out to Clarksville to meet with our board. And on the way there, I said, God, if this is you, let them tell me I need to do this. And I shared with them the whole vision. And they said, you got to do it. And I said, oh, oh, boy. Dead honest truth, y'all. The prayer the next morning was really difficult because now all of a sudden it was realistic and I used to think like oh was that the problem watch that wasn't the problem the problem was now there was responsibility and accountability on me at first when I was praying it was like oh God won't you do you know I'm marching around the walls would you let this wall fall down because the wall's not actually gonna fall down but when it starts to shake you're like oh boy well, who's going to pick this wall up when it falls? You know what I mean? Now all of a sudden accountability and responsibility matters. And watch this. I start going, oh my goodness. If God gives us this building, we're going to have to raise the money to renovate it. And then if God moves us to this building, we're moving our church from Smyrna to Antioch. And church folks don't like to move. You know, if this happens, we're going to have to see growth in the church where the finances are, where we can actually pay the rent. And I started getting worried about all these different things because watch this, now my faith is being tested. Because I'm not just praying, but I'm praying and I'm acting. See what I'm saying? Listen, I'm trying to tell you, church, it's different when you're just praying. Hey, I'll pray for that. Then when you're saying a prayer and you know that God's going to ask you to move on it. Remember when Peter's in the boat and he's like, Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to step out in the water. And he's all confident, you know, and Jesus is like, all right, come out. And he's like, say what? All of a sudden, you mean I got to? And it's funny because we read that and we read it. It's all glamorized because we know what's going to happen. It's like, oh, he had to, he was he was just like, yeah, watch me. I don't think he was. I think he was flat out panicking. But he understood that if I have the audacity to ask God to do something, I better be ready to act on it. It's different when you're praying 
It's different to pray for healing and have to get up and go to the hot tub because your body hurts so bad. And to go to doctor appointments and get reports and shot and keep praying while you have to act in the process. You know I got to come back to you. It's different to pray for God to give you a child and then have to go through the motions of all of the process to get there. What I'm trying to tell you is that God has already heard your prayers and now he's asking you to move. Can you give me that last slide? When we ask God to do the impossible, his response is usually to instruct us to do something uncomfortable and inconvenient. Would you stand with me? You know what's fun for me? I didn't even tell first service this, but what's fun for me is that I get to preach these messages, and for a lot of you, I know your stories. And I feel like I know some of them in a way where I can say, I know God's answered the prayer, and I know God's told you to do something. And we're waiting, and we're hesitant because it's uncomfortable or it's inconvenient. Do me a favor, close your eyes. Maybe you're in here and you know God has been calling you to begin to follow him, to give your life to him, and he's waiting on you to move. You know God's called you to be baptized in water and he's waiting on you to move. You know God's called you to step out and start that business or believe for that dream to try for that child. You know God's told you to do it, but now you've got to move. You've got to move. You've got to trust him. And please listen to me right now. With your eyes closed, listen to me. When we say, I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered, that, my friends, is scripture. We're singing scripture. And I know every one of us have a prayer need right now, and we need to proclaim it and declare it that God is faithful today that he hears our prayers that he hears them he moves them, he answers them and that right now, watch this, here's our surrender God, I'll do whatever it is you're asking me to do whatever it is you're asking me to do come on, right now, however you might hands in the air, whatever you make it hit your knees, whatever you need to do, let's have an opportunity where you're saying to God, I receive the calling on my life. I receive the fact that you've heard my prayer and I will do whatever you're asking me to do. You heard and you answered. What do you need me to do, Father? Come on, right now. Maybe it's that job that dream, that relationship, that prayer request, that impossible thing. Some of you need to give God praise for the prayer he's already answered. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on.
And I, I didn't share it in second service, so maybe, maybe it's just for you. When Daniel goes in and interprets, not only does it save his life, but watch this. King Nebuchadnezzar elevates him. He gets a promotion. And I just, as we were singing for a second, I just thought about this. Listen to me real quick. When you'll pray about it and you'll do what God's asking you to do, Sometimes he includes things in there that you didn't even ask for. Daniel didn't ask for promotion, but it came along with the obedience. And so some of you, you don't even know to ask for it. You need it. You're going to need it three years from now. You're going to need it 10 years from now. You don't even know to ask for it. But by simple obedience of following God, he'll answer that prayer and the prayer you don't even know to pray. So come on, let's, let's reach in for a second. Let's dive in for a second. The Spirit of God is in this building. The same God that raised him out of the lion's den, that saved those boys from the fiery furnace, he's here right now. Come on, just begin to ask him. Whatever it is, whatever it is. Hallelujah, Father, we worship you.